0: Welcome to the third episode of the Women in CX podcast, a series dedicated to real talk conversations between women in customer experience. Listen in as we share our career stories, relive the moments that shaped us, and voice our opinions as loudly as we like about all manner of CX subjects. I'll be your host, Claire Musket, and in today's episode, we'll be talking about bringing a human approach to technology with one female co founder's journey from psychology to engineering stride she's making in bringing user-centricity to digital product development. Let me introduce today's inspiring guest. Our first international lady joins us from Uruguay and South America. We got to know each other on Instagram and it was love at first soon. She's a self-confessed girl geek with a degree in psychology and a fascinating love of robots. She's co-founder of The Next Company and a top UX consultant with Attica Labs. Please welcome to the show, CX sister, Inez Martinez. Hey Inez. Hi! How are you doing today? Very good, how are you? I am wonderful, it's Friday. Yay! <laughs> so welcome to the Women in CX podcast. Thank you so much for having me. No problem at all, and welcome to everybody listening along. So, since I met you a while back on Instagram, uh, I've really re- reflected on how we met and kind of how I like immediately had this like girl crush... <laughs> Um, on you as a fellow woman in CX and just knew I had to get to know you and I was thinking back to that first Zoom we had right in the middle of lockdown where we had no idea what the future was going to hold but I just knew I could feel that CX sisterhood (laughs) and we were going to be friends. (laughs) So today I thought we could Go for it and have some real, real talk about some of the subjects we touched on in that initial conversation. How do you feel about that?
1: Love it. Let's ready. do it.
0: Ready to go. Ready to go. Okay. Yay. So I don't even remember, but we—it turned out we had like loads of things in common.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, one of which being the fact that we've both got a slightly unusual degree. <laughs> what we do now, so. Um, you don't know this, but I'll share it with you now, what it actually was. (laughs) i am actually qualified in equine studies. (laughs) I have a degree in horses. Yeah. Yeah. So when I was 18, um, my dream was that I was going to grow up to be a show jumper. Whatever I wanted to do was ride horses, run a big yard and probably have four or five kids. (laughs) So being 30, 30. something now (laughs) and I'm having a very different life than I expected I just wondered if you'd be up for sharing what you wanted to be when you grew up and how you got to where you are now at 35 okay
1: I mean can we first like that's such a British I feel like wanting to do horseback jumping (laughs) riding that's such a British thing to do like that would never Cross my mind in a million years. I don't know anyone. Uh, I love it. I cannot believe that you actually uh, consider that as a career. And how amazing that you like to queue in a completely different direction.
0: Well it was a bit of a weird one, really, because it was because I had a riding accident and I. Oh broke, no! Yeah, I broke my back, so I couldn't. Oh, wow. ride. Yeah, for years. Um, but during my equestrian days, I actually also became a fully trained horse midwife. So. I was like right in there <laughs> in terms of being very serious about this career. But, thank you. but, but thank you. I'm sure you're imagining yeah, like young, young Claire. Young <laughs> Claire, Claire. Dane riding ponies, very British. Yeah. <laughs> so, tell me about you.
1: Um, well, I always envision a career um, as a professor and a researcher. I always, I love the University environment and uh, I love science and and when I major in psychology I was sure that I that I wanted to do research but after a couple of years of being a um, an assistant and then trying you know to to get into the into the whole universe is so difficult it's so challenging so competitive um, and I just kind of like it, it started to kind of like crushed my soul a little bit and i was watching my friends actually my best friend stuck on there and she's now uh she has her phd and she is a college professor and she's very successful but uh i was privileged enough to see her her journey and mine and all the sacrifice that she made and i was like no i am not built for this um i am not built for this type of life and and i had a little bit of a crisis at the moment um but luckily i found ux and 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 i, and I found that within ux i could do research and which is the thing that i love the most um so i i kind of like found my way of, of of incorporating the things that i love into a life that suits me better um where i don't have to make the sacrifices that that my friend uh, has made. So yeah, when I was 18, I imagined myself probably in some campus, um, being a full-time professor, um, doing research, being in the lab all day, not interacting a lot with people or maybe behind the mirror. Um, But it's so much better now. When I do research and when I see people interacting and and, and discovering the things that we design. um, It's so much better. I wouldn't change it
0: for Mm. a while. And what did the kind of life outside of work look like in your imagination when you were younger? What did you think?
1: Uh, I was never the type of, um, I never thought about children, really. I never had the, the, the urge to become a mother. Um, and if you had asked me when I was eighteen, I would probably tell, uh, would have probably told you, like, no, I'm not having kids. It's not for me. Uh, as I got older, I, and I and especially when my friends started to become mothers and my sister had two kids, and I became an aunt. I love kids, and and I and I do appreciate the wonders of having a family and being a mom. Um, I'm just not sure. I'm still not sure if it is for me and I'm, I'm okay. Either way, I'm not as, um, aggressively saying no. As I say, well, it's a couple of years ago. Um, but I still feel like, uh, I'm okay. If it doesn't happen, I'm okay if it does, but I'm not something that I'm pursuing, like actively
0: yeah actively pursuing (laughs) (laughs) I like that turn of phrase yeah I guess I guess I I like when I was a kid I thought that that was what women were supposed to be like that if you weren't a wife and a mother as an adult you probably had done something wrong but Mm -hmm. as I progressed through my career I guess I didn't even really think about it at all you know as you said it just didn't cross my mind I was too busy climbing a career ladder and having fun to worry about it yeah um I, I absolutely agree with you. I have no urge to give up my freedom and all of the fun that I have flying around the world, doing whatever I want with whoever I want. That's, that's the thing. It's such
1: a sacrifice. And, and I admire the women that made it, make it look easy, you know, the integration. Like Leah, for example, like she makes it look like you can totally have the life, the business, the kids and freedom, um, I admire them a lot, but, uh, but I do feel like I'm sure they have moments that are so tough and when you are so tired and you just want to, you know, lay on your bed by yourself or give yourself a bubble bath. And <laughs> I don't know, the possibility of being that selfish, it's still pretty alluring to me Mm. uh yeah and i'm not sure if i'm i'm ready i admire women that do and do it so well um and give themselves into the job of being a mom i admire them a lot um but i'm not sure if i'm ready for it if i'm ever going to want to do that i'm not sure
0: and i'm okay with that yeah yeah and i I agree with you so both the guests we've had on episode one and two One's a married mum of two. One's a single mum of two. So I guess this is my first real talk conversation with someone um, my age who is in a similar situation, single and child-free. So um, I guess it makes for an interesting conversation to question why there is so much pressure to have to make a decision. And I guess at this time of our lives now, like I know I became more aware of it because the... Media or society has conditioned me to think that it's a problem. Um, so, for example, I uh, get asked all the time, "But when are you going to have kids?" And I think it's the rudest question in the world. <laughs> and you should never ask a woman that, by the way, if any guys are listening, especially or, or the women actually, because it's more more often women. Yeah, have I think women them, are
1: worse Yeah, so yeah.
0: women are And um, I, I think I've landed on a point at a point of thinking. It's not like I actively want children, but I'm starting to think I might have the fear of missing out if I don't, which is definitely not a good enough reason to have kids. <laughs> but like, what if I don't and then I regret it because well, my body can do it? Yeah.
1: One thing that I did do at the beginning of the year, and then as everything, it got kind of like shut down because of COVID, I did. I, I went to, um, to a doctor to talk about freezing eggs and the procedure, uh, how much it costs, like all the details. and And I was actually considering doing that because the same. It's like, how about if I'm forty, and I regret it. And you never know. And you hear lots of women who have done pretty much the same thing that you and I. Uh, Are doing and they turn 40 or 45 or whatever and they're fine and they never regret it Mm -hmm. but you also know the other stories of people who actually put their career first and then had trouble conceiving and they really felt, you know, Mm -hmm. kind of like uh, taken aback by that um, situation. So I, I do feel like the same way as we plan our career as we plan our finances, I think it's smart if you can to go that road and to yeah, plan your fertility. And, 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 of course it's an investment. Um, and it's not cheap, uh, anywhere. I don't think there's a country in the the world that is cheap. Um, but I, I do think that as women, it's important for us to, to plan our whole life and to dream big, and 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 and, in, and if you feel like five percent maybe down the road motherhood's going to be important to you mm. plan it you know mm. don't live it to chance
0: yeah yeah well, I, I actually did the same thing last year oh, really? when, I, when i got all the tests and i had really amazing results like <laughs> if it's like a test you can pass or something <laughs> um, but they said you know, you've got a, a good few years you'd be okay but um probably like two years time you need to make a decision whether you want to get that as they positioned it, insurance policy. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, um, it's,
1: because, it's because of biology. I think it's like you need to, be, it's, you need to do it before 37, I think. Wow. To to well,
0: yeah. well, I'm a couple of years older than you, and they still said it's, I was okay. Um, um, but um, what it gets into is then having to make a decision not whether you freeze eggs, but whether you freeze embryos. No, so, Eggs for what, sure no 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 but that's what I'm saying as you get older the choices diminish because actually freezing and unfreezing older eggs is like lo- less likely to be successful Oof. and that to me felt more more far more frightening like as a commitment to create life and freeze it and then maybe unfreeze it at some point um but yeah I don't know I still might do it like you say you know planning your fertility I don't know whether I would compare it quite to like planning finances but I get what you're saying. <laughs> Smart you I heard
1: a comedian. I don't remember who she was, but a comedian once mentioned it in an interview, like insurance. It's like, I have insurance for my car. I have insurance for my house. I have insurance for my fertility as well. Um, so that's why, that's when I started when I, when I heard, heard her, like speaking about in those terms, that's when I started to, um, to consider it more seriously.
0: Mm, yeah and yeah. I guess that there are always other options so I know a few of my friends mm-hmm. who didn't want children who partnered with somebody who had children already and they created like blended families there's one other option obviously yeah. adoption there there are more choices but yeah I still can't imagine in the short term like right now do I see a, a point in time where like you said you know not getting to pamper myself and have a bubble bath and be having to look after a small thing that Requires my absolute attention, one hundred percent of the time. I that's I can't true. I can't imagine that being something that I'm ready to do anytime soon at all. Um, but, but I suppose that's the wonder of modern medicine that your, choice, your chances are extended if you freeze eggs and embryos or whatever to be in your late forties. But I guess then that's another another challenge because I'm talking to my friends um, who've had kids later they've said you get like, more tired even as a parent like later too. Yeah. But the ironic thing is, I've got other friends who had kids, well, one, a couple of friends who had kids really young, Like I mean really young, like 17, 18, and like, their kids are now like oh, going off to uni. Their lives are just beginning, and they've got these like, adults <laughs> that they produced it <laughs> when, when we were teenagers. It's just, it's just crazy. Um, I don't I just, think
1: it's, it's ever a perfect time to become a parent. Um, I think it's always going to be challenging. You can plan for pretty much everything and still it's going to be a huge challenge. So I don't, it needs to feel right for you. What I, what I, What I can tell you is like, I'm just, I'm 35 and I'm just feeling like I'm emotionally ready if that would happen and again it's not something to, that i'm actively pursuing it's not something that it's on my mind that i worry about yeah. or it's not a goal it's not like i'm going out on dates saying hey i want to become a mother so <laughs> it. no it's not like that at all but i do feel like like maybe a year and a half or maybe 6 months ago i, I don't know it's just I, I had this aha moment
0: when i said like okay,
1: maybe now I'm emotional and I'm ready. If it happens, it's not terrible.
0: Yeah, but not the body clock ticking feeling that some people talk about at least. No, but, no, what no, are your no. Views, views on, like, obviously you're single, I'm single. If I decided that that was the course of action I did want to take, um, I'd be doing it on my own. Would you think you'd want to have someone to do that with? Or?
1: Yeah, I could never, I mean, again, I admire women to do. That, are, that become single mothers yeah. i am such uh old-fashioned in that sense i would love to do it if i if i'm going to do it i'm definitely going to do it with a partner okay. yeah. i will i, mean, I want to do it by myself
0: no more traditional and stuff no, yeah I, I think i think i i can imagine this is gonna sound I funny say, but i can imagine I can more having a kid on my own than i can imagine having a husband <laughs> that's awesome, that's um, awesome. Um, but yeah i I don't know it's just it's just crazy how things turn out, and over time it wasn't what I ever expected to be thinking at this point in my life um and it just happened like life just came along, and I grabbed it by the I don't know what I it by. <laughs> and, and i just and I just went with like the career, the adventures, quit my job, traveled around the world, became a digital nomad you know and and I feel like i've I've lived and I am living apart from lockdown right now. But you're interested in um, travel too. Another thing we have in common, yeah. a fellow digital nomad um, yep. also quit your job and packed it all in, gave up the corporate side.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: What was that experience like for you? And do you feel like you made the right choice? Oh, yeah, for
1: sure. Yeah. Uh, no. I mean, I do feel sometimes when like, I know the other day someone, some company posted like a really cool job and I do feel tempted sometimes to go back, um, but the freedom it's, it's amazing. And yeah, it's definitely the right path for me. Um, being my own boss and and, and, uh, having my team and, and creating something, um, with, uh, with partners, um, yeah, I would never, I would never change it. It was scary. It was very scary at the beginning, but at the same, and it was very frustrating because I, of course I failed a lot. I tried and tried again. I went through different business partners and it didn't work and different teams and it didn't work different value propositions and it didn't work. And after, I think almost four iterations in like five years, um, I got it right. And now I feel like I got it right. And and, and it's so rewarding. And I, I would not change it at all. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And and that journey to finding the right team, the right people, the right proposition, the right moment in time, mm-hmm. is it, you know, it's not a failure. What happens on the way there? It just makes you more sure about what you want when you find it, I think. Um, but I, I have to say that you mentioned team. Do you say, how many guys it is that you work with?
1: <laughs> well, we are 35 yeah. at the company right now, and I think we are five women. So oh. we, yeah, we have <laughs> 30 guys, yeah.
0: 30 guys, five women. So sometimes, I guess, you're the only woman at the table. Yeah. Most of the
1: time, yeah, most of the time, because I am the one, because we let them choose, we have offices, but we let them choose to work remotely or come to the office if they want. We did that even before COVID, and, and yeah, most people prefer to work from home, so yeah, most of the time.
0: So, and, so you know, the only, only woman at a physical table or in a Zoom window, what, what is that like? Do you ever feel there's a challenge based on your gender in those situations or in the past had, had there been working in a predominantly male dominated environment?
1: It has been on the past and, 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 and that had something to do with finding the right team. But once I found my guys, mm-hmm. um, and I, once I found the right team, it's never an issue. I mean, we do joke about it. Um, but no, it's never an issue. Um, I feel so at home. I'm so value. Um, we care for each other so much. We are family. We're in, and yeah, so right now it's not an issue. And they, they protect me a lot and they wouldn't stand for, uh, yeah. The first, actually the first person that they hired, even before I joined the company, was a woman. Their choice was, um, the four founders of the company, when they needed to hire someone, their first choice was actually a woman. Um, and she's still with us today. She's an amazing software developer. And, and so they are allies a hundred percent.
0: That's nice. So, amigos.
1: amigos. <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> for sure. Uh, um, yeah, I just, it's interesting, isn't it? Because, Career paths, I guess, when we were progressing from riding horses into marketing, (laughs) uh, traditionally software development, technology was much more of a guy's route, but I think we are starting to see a shift. Um, Female developers, women in tech, there's been a lot of focus in the last few years, especially in Silicon Valley, of really raising the profile of women in Mm -hmm. um, particularly leadership roles in technology. But what do you think the kind of next challenge is for young women coming up through the roots of tech and UX and dev?
1: I think it's not just women. I think tech has a huge challenge when it comes to diversity as a whole. Mm -hmm. Um, People of color, uh, LGBTQ uh, community. Um, we do know, like, we are creating tech that is racist, that is biased in many, many ways. And that's because we don't have enough diversity in the teams that are developing this technology. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, women are just one of the many, many groups that are being left behind when it comes to technology. Mm -hmm. And, And that's why I feel like it's so important to bring everyone to the table and i do mean everyone the amazing things the amazing thing that that that's happening right now is like when you think about tech you usually think about the developer role but there's so many other roles and you don't need to (coughs) to know how to code to be part of the conversation to be part part of the tech work i don't know how to code (laughs) still uh (laughs) and i'm not planning on learning um but but when you have a diverse team of people contributing to the development of tech, of a new product, of a new service, um, everything's better. And we are not going to solve the problems that we have right now and the problems problems that we are bound to have in the near future if we don't make that that shift. Mm-hmm. If the decision the decisions is always made by white dudes,
0: yeah. White, old, rich dudes. <laughs> yeah,
1: like the other day, Elon Musk tweeted something um, that I really hated because he he was talking about his one of his companies, which is Neuralink, mm-hmm. uh, which basically works on creating integrations with AI and um, and and human bodies, mm-hmm. um, which is actually pretty cool what they're doing. Um, but he tweeted something like. Uh our mission statement is if you cannot fight if you cannot fight it, join them. And I was like, this is this is bull because it's like you are creating the problem. Mm-hmm. It's not like you um you are accepting something that you cannot control. You're doing it yourself. Mm-hmm. But you're taking this approach like this is something that we just need to accept and that is going to be it, and that is for me it's so lazy. And if you, if you were someone that had actually had more struggle, you wouldn't have that, that position because you cannot afford it. You cannot afford just accept it and join and join and don't resist and don't try to make a change because you are really suffering the consequences. Mm. And that's why I feel like diversity is so important in tech. And in some, that's something that we totally need to change. Mm.
0: Yeah, so like diversity and acknowledgement and recognition of privilege right yeah Yeah. until that that is acknowledged that it even exists still in some places um we're never going to be able to have the momentum behind diversity and inclusion from a hiring perspective even from an inclusive design perspective you know you can create all the toolkits in the world that have personas that represent people but it's not the same as having the decision makers actually being diverse <laughs> and including um, including everybody. Um, so I think we kind of touched on the next thing we have in common when you started talking about AI, which is we're both massive geeks. <laughs> Yay. Yay for the girl geeks. <laughs> what do you geek out on the most, would you say? Mm. <laughs> Other than
1: Star Wars. Um... Oh, Star Wars uh I, well i'm also a theater geek you know like the uh, last week that hamilton um the film was um, released i was the whole week and i organized a, a watch party and everything um but when it comes to tech um and science fiction i always feel like science fiction is what is moving us forward it's like we are watching it in the movies and we want to have it and 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 so we're going to create it just to have the cool stuff that we saw in star wars or star trek or whatever um but i do feel like our relationship in general with machines with robots with ai is going to be such a game changer um just as we have changed our way of of sitting of moving just because we have our phones With us all the time Mm -hmm. having a robot in your house um, and starting to interact on a daily basis um, it's going to be such a game changer and I
0: I agree and I know we've geeked out on this before but for me like Alexa is the first step to having a robot in your home having actual conversations with AI like it's the first person I speak to in the morning she does stuff <laughs> for me like I constantly talk to Alexa um yeah that's, that's probably that maybe means I also need to get a boyfriend or something. <laughs> <laughs> that's our first conversation I'm only joking um but the only actual interaction I've had with actual robots is mm-hmm. at, um Soal Airport in fact where I met the cutest robot on the planet so I'm um, a robot geek, but I'm definitely more into the RTD2 style of robots, uh, ones that look sweet. Do you think that that is perhaps a way of making technology in robot form friendlier and therefore less frightening when they're really cute?
1: <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, and I think um, Koreans and, and and Japanese, they and, and Chinese cultures are they are creating robots that are so cute, and the teachers And they are taking everything that we know about why we find babies irresistible, and and why we find puppies irresistible. Big and eyes, the that's big nice. eyes, yeah, <laughs> yeah, the big eyes, and we and they are bringing it into robot design. Wow. And 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 I think that's very important because when you are Trusting, I don't know. Let's say you have a robot that deals with the care of uh, an elderly um, family member or a child. You don't want it to look like Terminator. You're not going to trust it, <laughs> obviously.
0: <laughs> Sorry, just no. Actually, visualise that a Terminator robot around your house. No. <laughs> yeah,
1: you're not going to trust it. And, you know, to live with your child or with your mm-hmm. grandparent if um, if sure. it doesn't look like yeah, if it doesn't look cute. And, and, and I think that, again, Alexa, Siri, the picture of their voices, um, mm-hmm. there's so much more that goes into the experience of connecting with a robot than just the great algorithm that makes it work. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's a field that is very exciting. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah. It's the concept of intelligence though, right? That's, this, I think that's the more frightening thing that machines are learning and they learn at such pace they can outthink Humans, um, I guess it's the old sci-fi fear, perhaps. Yeah. You know, like, that's that
1: that t- they take over? <laughs> you know, intelligence doesn't doesn't scares me as as much as consciousness, mm. because intelligence it just means that they can do things faster, uh, simpler, better, but that's it. You know, they're still a machine. But when you talk about consciousness, if they know that you're doing things yeah. faster, better, simpler. Oh uh, that's the scary thing.
0: You really freaked me out thing. now. I don't- <laughs> 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 See, I hadn't thought about it that far, as robots with consciousness. Just, yeah. it's, it little bit scared me enough. Um, and I think kind of just to finish wow. on, on those points really is around, um, you know, robo- robotics, robots, that uh, chatbots, bots that like, come in you on like social media channels it's clearly accelerating right and we're going to have to um, accept that it's part of the future I just hope that with the changes that people like you are going to be able to make in taking a more human-centered approach to the design of those kinds of things intelligence technology and robotics that actually the future definitely looks more Uh, friendly and the cute version of the robot (laughs) and it will allow people's fears because you know as long as we can continue to keep the human elements at the center of technology we are not going to go far wrong. i reckon so thank you so much for joining me today i know that was a really like deep chat about what we think about babies and boys and futures and I really really value and appreciate the fact that you shared so much with me so I just wanted to say um, I had a girl question on you from day one and I think you're absolutely awesome you're a truly inspiring woman indeed and I'm so glad that you're in the CX sisterhood with me. Uh, Thank you so much Claire of course I feel (laughs)
1: <laughs> totally the same for you uh from your hair like everything yeah. that you have taught me about how to use instagram i'm so scared when it comes to instagram and you do it so well Aww. um and so so yeah i completely feel the same way
0: long may it continue so, Yay. <laughs> um, so that's it for today thank you again one more time so all's left to say is one final thank you to our producer, Joachim and our sponsors at Effectly. Thanks again for joining. I'll see you soon. Thanks for listening to the Women in CX podcast with me, Claire Musket. If you enjoyed the show and want to know more, please check out womenincx.community and follow the Women in CX page on LinkedIn, or please leave us a review on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Spotify. Join us again next week when I'll be talking to a woman whose exciting career in CX meant world travel on her journey to becoming a chief customer officer. Talking about her insights into CX leadership and the power of community.